Hey, this is Shane Malcolm. And this is Jordan Schweitzer. We're the creators of Boot Bags. Fashionable, durable, washable. Boot Bags are the most convenient way to carry your cleats to and from training or games. Check us out at bootbags.us. You're listening to the Force Fancast Podcast. Sitting round of this falling in from the trends. My desire is always to be here. Oh, sitting round. Welcome to this special Forest Fancast episode, the most special we've recorded this season, I suppose. In that breaking news today, I think we were probably all expecting it, around 12.50 Central Standard Time here in the US, Nottingham Forest announced that Sabri Lamucci had been sacked. That was quite literally all they announced, and within 30 minutes had announced the new Forest manager, none other than Chris Hooten, formerly of Brighton and a number of other clubs as well. Again, we'll discuss that here in just a moment. The we, I'm delighted to be joined by Dan White for the first time this season. Hey, Dan, how's it going, mate? Hey, Mark. Yep, going very well. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Good to see you. And also joined by Holly in London, England. Hey, Holly. How's it going, Mark? Thanks for having me again. No, absolutely. It's a pleasure having you on. Thank you for joining at such short notice, the both of you. The minute this news broke, I sent out a panicked email to our contributors. Hey, who can jump on a call? We want to talk about this ASAP, pick the bones out of this while it's still fresh. And so here we are. Um, we're, we're rather like the Nottingham Forest leadership team. Right, within minutes, no, which seems to be the way anymore. So, um, yes, yeah, Sabri Mucci showed up at the city ground about a year ago, an unknown quantity, June 28th, 2019, replacing, of course, club legend, Martin O'Neill and assistant manager Roy Keane didn't have much of a resume before he arrived at the city ground, formerly of Wren, Aljesh and Ivory Coast national team. Guys, first thing I want to ask the both of you is where were you when you heard the news? Dan? Um, I was buying a spicy chicken sandwich from Popeye's for lunch. Um, <laughs> Aren't they the best? They are phenomenal. Actually. They're really good. Um, yeah um yeah so i was there but well i was just coming out of there actually but yeah like most people probably refreshing twitter for most of the day um seeing how things were going down and um yeah came out and the first one of the first first announcement had come and i was i was wondering whether because it's something obviously quite serious news not something that you'll you'll play around with but i did then wonder whether it would be a race to announce it quicker or slower than the last time around with martin o'neill so i was thinking are they going to leave this a while um or are they going to try and beat the 18 minutes or 12 minutes or whatever it was last time out? Um, and ultimately, it seems that they don't like sacking someone until they've got someone else lined up. So I was kind of fairly, fairly certain that there'll be an announcement coming soon. Uh, and then by the time I got home and polished off the chicken sandwich, we had a we had a new manager. So in the time it takes to eat a Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich, we can sack someone and employ someone else. Yeah, that's uh, well, there you go. There's the tagline for the marketing team. There you go, Popeye. You're welcome. <laughs> you have to tell me what a Popeye is. I've never heard of that before. Oh, it's like a better version of KFC. Oh, oh lovely. So much really? better. I mean, you've you got to see this piece of chicken. I mean, I don't know how we're getting off track here a little bit, but it's got to be at least two to three inches, Dan. I mean, that is a 
yes. slab of chicken and spicy batter. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's like, probably like a Morley's like, that we have in South London. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of that, and it's almost like cornflake rolled. So it's like that crispy batter, brioche bun, spicy mayo. That's all that's on it. That's it. But it's like, it's unbelievable. But anyway. Excellent. So so that's been uh, the highlight of my day. This episode of the Forest Fancast brought to you by Popeyes. Holly, what were you doing? (laughs) So I kind of felt this was going to happen all day. So I've been refreshing my Twitter and just keeping an eye on the socials and stuff. But I... I'd left my phone at home and I'd just gone to uh, Sainsbury's in Streatham, just got in with my loo rolls and my hand sanitizer, checked my phone and there is the Sky Sports News uh, push notification. So uh, with loo rolls in hand, uh, Lamucci was no more. That's where I was. <laughs> that might Nothing be the more. title. That might be <laughs> the title of really... this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very oh. mundane. Incredible. So let's spend a few minutes, a few minutes more than Forrest ultimately did with a press release uh, talking about Sabri Lamucci and his time at the city ground before we transition to our new manager. What do we think, guys? In the balance of things, it sounds like a strange question to ask after somebody just got fired because obviously that suggests that they, they had a rough end to their term at the club. But in balance, do we look back at Lamucci's reign with fondness overall, Holly? For me, absolutely. I mean, I said it in a tweet earlier, you know, he brought back the hope and the excitement for the first time in a long while, you know. Um, You know, he was a real uh, likeable, classy character that I found that I really trusted. Um, He wasn't one of these kind of, I don't want to say clowns, but, you know, someone that you really felt proud to be the forest manager. you know, looking back to that goal against Fulham away, that beautiful goal where every player touched the ball and it was absolute class. And, you know, to, to think that he was kind of the manager behind that kind of team and that's the way that we were playing. I don't know. I just felt really, really proud. And I look back on him and his time as far as manager very, very fondly. And I'm absolutely gutted because, you know, I feel like it was the right time for him to go. I think it was the right decision. But you know, I really, I really wanted it to work. I really wanted to work with Sabri and um, I'm absolutely gutted to be honest. Um, but we move on. That's football, unfortunately. Now, Dan, you've been a dissenting voice on Twitter. You have made your opinions uh, pretty well known. So do you look back on Sabri's reign with fondness? And also what's your take on Nottingham Forest and how they announced his departure? Um, yeah, so o- overall, yeah, I think... Um... It depends whether you play the long game or the short game, right? You, it's easy to pull out the, the stats for whatever you want to, you know, whatever opinion you want to hold. But it was the best season Forest have had overall in, in 10 years or so. And we measure these things in seasons. If you break it down a bit more, we had a phenomenal September through to January. Um, but realistically, we had a pretty ropey Christmas within that. And it was only really tied together by the Leeds result that came the other side of Christmas. I think if we hadn't got that Leeds result you'd be looking back to early December of last year for the last good period of form that we had. Um, But that period of time, I I was lucky enough to maybe go over for three games, I think, between August and November. So that period of time is the best best time I've I've enjoyed watching Forest for 10 years. What's come since, I've not been a fan of. All that said, um, I've said, you know, on Twitter and, and to anyone that will listen that I think Sabri should have gone. That's not to say that Sabri's a bad manager or, you know, my opinion on him as a person at all, because I think the guy's been absolutely fantastic. Um, he doesn't fit the club. And what I mean by that is 
we've obviously got a hierarchy who do things a certain way, which I don't particularly agree with from what comes out. Um, and having him in charge, the article that was written today or written on Saturday and released today by Paul Taylor and Daniel Taylor um, pretty much tells you everything you need to know. Zoom calls from um, the owner to the players while the manager's in the room. Imagine if you I or Holly were in uh, our place of work and your manager phoned your staff over your head and told them that the way your manager was training you wasn't that acceptable. Like, that's that's not gonna that's not gonna last very long at all. So from from that respect, you had to go, I think. Um, but I think it's more on the club than him in in to a degree. Um, and then yeah, overall how it's been handled. Well, um, I think everyone saw this coming from Saturday, uh, and they put out a very brief statement today, which tells me if nothing else that the folks in the communications group were essentially told just get this news out because we've got other news to come we'll deal with the rest later uh combination of hr and necessity so I, I, i'm not going to read too much into that to be honest but um yes yeah, sad sad end but of course the same thing happened last year and and sabri lamucci didn't have anything to say about martin o'neill necessarily <laughs> um 20 minutes later so I, I i don't feel too sorry for him in that respect yeah i'm going to push back on that just a little bit i mean i i understand what you're saying but as you mentioned, Daniel Taylor and Paul Taylor put together a comprehensive and incredibly revealing article for The Athletic that you just mentioned there. Fantastic read. Folks really need to go check that out, even if you just sign up for the free period of subscription in order just to read that article. They had that in the can ready to go, evidently. You can't convince me that Nottingham Forest hierarchy couldn't have had a couple of paragraphs ready to go on Sabri Lamucci and his reign and thanking for his time here. That seems the very least they could have done. So... That doesn't, that seems particularly classless from my perspective, but he is gone. That's it. He's out the door and he's out the door off the back of 12, 13 players now coming in over the last few weeks. Not all the article in the athletic would suggest were necessarily his picks. Where does that leave the new manager, Chris Hooten, uh, having such a bloated team? We know that a few players went out here in the last few days, but that's going to make for an interesting situation. Does the sacking of Lemucci seem particularly odd to the two of you off the back of all of this recruitment, Dan? Uh, yeah, well, depending where you read, I think at least at least some of those players are, are Sabri's players, um, which, you know, yeah, if, if these players weren't his, um, and I don't think you would have ever heard that from him explicitly, but if they weren't his, uh, you could then understand sacking him and bringing a manager in. Maybe they've been talking behind the scenes. You've got players in that were of a certain style. Um, I don't believe any of that, to be honest. I think they had they had a, a two-week plan. They enacted that two-week plan. It didn't work. They put a new two-week plan in place. They bought new players. That hasn't worked. They panicked on Saturday. They sacked him. Um, they had a list of people. Um, they went all over the shop from from what it seems like, and they've probably got out of who was available what most people would consider the the best uh, the best option, I think, rather than um, some of the names that mm. were put out there before, um, who was you know who we could get, um, and now that person is going to come in with a load of players that definitely aren't theirs. Whether they're the boards, whether they're the head of recruitments, whether they're Sabres, at this point it doesn't really matter. It's clearly not their players. Um, I think we've done all right business to some degree. So players like Harry Arter, Luke Freeman, I don't think you know Chris Hutton will be or be at all disappointed having them in the squad. But uh, Agreed. If, we don't sign another, yeah, if we don't sign another six players in January, I'll be surprised because there's now another excuse to go and do it. Holly, what's your take on that in regards to the players? And, and who do you think was making these decisions? 
I mean, historically, um, Hewton's been more of a defensively set up manager, hasn't he? So I guess so he'll be say... happy with the with the 17 defensive midfielders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, gosh. Um, so it kind of makes you think, um, did they perhaps have him in mind a lot longer than we realised, um, mm. considering that the, the players that we've bought, we've all been scratching our heads a little bit. And I mean, I know I am speaking for myself about the amount of um, defensive midfielders that we've signed. Obviously, Kafu coming in on deadline day yesterday. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, I mean... You look a little shell-shocked, Holly, honestly. You sound a little shell-shocked. Well, I am, but I'm also... It kind of just feels like complete deja vu, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> right. I'm trying to f think how I really feel about it. It's just like, here we go again, um, you know, back to square one. Um, how quickly can he pick up these players and sort of galvanise them and, and get them playing again? And essentially for me, playing them, playing them in the way that we want them to be playing, you know, playing the forest way, um, playing attacking football, is that going to happen? I mean, at this moment in time, I just want us to win a game, um, which I'm sure we all do. Um, I want us to go out there from the first kick of the ball, um, positive, um, galvanised, confident, um, really utilise the, um, you know, the experience and the, the quality that we have um, and put in a performance that we're all proud of, I think, just to kind of start us up again. I mean, let's hope that we have the, uh, you know, the new manager bounce. So let me ask you guys this question. Had Forrest been able to hang in there and make the playoffs? Are we looking at a different situation today? Dan? Um, honestly, I think if we hadn't have lost 4-1 to Stoke and we'd have lost what would it have needed to be 2-1, mm -hmm. um, then I don't think we'd be far off where we are today. And the only reason I say that is it was a slow and painful decline over, over three, four months, really, or three months of football playing at least. Um, so the idea that we would have lost to Stoke and just scraped in on goal difference and then somehow done a job over Cardiff, Brentford, Fulham, I don't think would have happened. Um, so I think I agree to some extent we were, you can't disagree. We were two goals away from making the playoffs. We were a long way off in my opinion as doing anything more with the season than getting into the playoffs. And it would have taken three fairly miraculous results to, to put us anywhere else. Um, and knowing what we know today, do you think if we'd have even made it and fluked our way into the Premier League, that Lamucci would even be in a job now, <laughs> four games into a Premier League season right. with the squad we had? So, um, honestly, I, yeah, I think um, writing was on the wall pretty much from after the, the COVID break. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Dan there. I think if we had somehow managed miraculously to sneak into the playoffs, I, I can't see us having been promoted by the playoffs last season um, and ultimately Sabri's aim, wasn't it, um, was to, to get promotion and I think it would have been seen as a failure and, and I think he probably would have been sacked had we gone out of the playoffs. So, yeah, um, as Dan said, I, I don't think he would have been around regardless, really. Yeah, it's a clean sweep here. I agree with everything both of you have just said. And I think all roads lead to this point. I think it's timing. It's timing. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but... We have a leadership team here who appeared to have a little more patience than their predecessors, but the reality is not really, I mean, not very much. You know, to Holly's point, it's deja vu again. Chris Hooten comes in as our, the 48th manager, if you count Billy Davis twice, in our club's storied history, the 27th in the last 20 years, the 19th in the last 10 years. So those numbers are starting to rack up pretty significantly in terms of recent past, 
We'll talk more about Chris Hooten in a minute and what he brings to the party. But what suggests this is going to be any different? What suggests that his time at the club is going to be so different to his predecessors, Holly? Well, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Mm. Um, I mean, for me, I'm really pleased that we've appointed someone with, you know, championship experience, um, experience of being promoted from the championship, maintaining in the Premier League. Um, I don't know. I, what, what is going to be different? That is the million dollar question. That's something I really can't answer. I mean, mm. it's like we've, we've gone down so many different routes, haven't we, in the past, literally every single possible choice you know gone continental gone club um uh, you know big name yeah exactly yeah exactly you name them we've gone there and you know none of them have worked um i don't know you 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 just hope that this time around it's going to be different but that's what you think every single time and it is the hope that kills you isn't it as far as fans i think dan do you see what's going to be different here i mean the other leadership team because I think the the contention is that you know all the all the the, the, the chatter on Twitter was you know this leadership team don't know what they're doing, you know they're they're casting the net wide they're looking at a Portuguese manager or a Greek manager no 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 they're looking locally well now they're looking at somebody you know from the international no 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 they're looking for somebody with championship experience, we've landed on Chris Hutton, I think generally speaking fans would consider him to be a good hire. Do you think this leadership team are going to give him the time to do what he needs to do? Because he's going to need some time, given that, to your earlier point, this isn't his team, despite how much talent there may be. Yeah, it baffles me somewhat, I think, because if you look at the managers we've had under Maranakis, um, like you say, not only this time searching for a manager, but as you say, Holly, we've done the club legend route. We've gone Karanka, Warburton, Karanka, O'Neill. Um, Lamucci. So that kind of spans quite a broad range of experience, background, everything else. Um, what I can't get into my head is who's making these appointments. So if it really is Ventos and others who are and our director of football and CEO that are making these decisions on behalf of Maranakis, that's one thing. But if that's the case, the guy's a pretty impatient guy, right? So I can't work out why mm-hmm. they haven't been fired yet, <laughs> right? <If we're> <laughs> that's a great point. And, you know, and if we're, if we're getting rid of Albert Adoma and Carvalho during a Zoom call because they're not putting effort in and Maranakis is making that call, why is he not getting rid of his CEO? So there's obviously, there's obviously a, a joint culpability there that these mm-hmm. decisions are coming from the top. I can only hope, and it's pure hope at this point, that they're learning because it, it, it and you know, this might sound naive. Um, you try and make as many excuses as you can to, to make, you know, make yourself feel better. That it's going to be better this time. I would say that Hutton's the most well-respected, most experienced and uh, most decorated manager we've had under Maranakis. So I think Karank had a lot of respect. He'd done the job with Middlesbrough. If you look at Hutton and we'll get onto him in more detail, but pretty much everywhere he's done, he's gone, he's achieved what he was supposed to achieve. Um, at least for the first season, season and a half. Um, so that makes me feel out of all of these, and especially with, I think they named him as manager rather than coach. Uh, it makes me feel like they may have learned that they need to keep their nose out, but ultimately the first test will be, even if we have a bounce, the first test will be the next four games we lose as to whether there's a Zoom call with Maranakis getting rid of more players or whether he's left space to go through to the end of this season and what will be will be and you know, they'll revisit it in the summer. So I'm hopeful, um, I'm, uh, despite some of the things we'll talk about, I'm actually quite positive about the fact that I feel better about this season now with Hutton than I did with Lamucci. So that's, that's uh, I, I feel better about the situation today than I did yesterday. Um, but I still have plenty of reasons to be pessimistic about the overall setup at the moment. So I'm, 
hoping that I'm proved wrong. And the thing that really strikes me is a year ago, every now and then I go back and I look at, I listen to earlier episodes because it, it just makes me smile. And also I listen to you know episodes that I know around a particular topic or a particular player, just kind of refresh my memory on what we talked about when that individual was signed or, and it strikes me that a year ago, 10 months ago, eight months ago, six months ago, we were extolling the virtues of this leadership team and everything they were doing in the community and um, the camaraderie that we saw among the players and uh, the increased positivity around the profile of Nottingham Forest. And that just seems to have come down like a house of cards since, you know, thank you, pandemic. Thank you, 2020. <laughs> Another casualty. <laughs> but literally it does. It seems to have come down since, I mean, to Dan's point, the football was not champagne in December, January, February, but certainly February, March from that point on, the whole situation seems to have deteriorated at such a rapid rate. And it's so sad. I think maybe this is why you're feeling so kind of punched in the gut, Holly. It's because we were so full of hope and it did feel like on the field and off, we had our team back, right? Yeah, I mean, I remember the euphoria after the, um, the Leeds at home game. Tyler Walker celebrating in front of the Trenton, which is what we all wanted to see. And then I think we had the uh, Charlton at home, was it after that? And he put out a very strange team. I remember going to that game and I think it was um, an evening game as well. And it, it was kind of like, where's our team gone? You know, uh, it, it, we looked like a completely different team. Um, and it was really sad and really disappointing. And I think from that point on, things seemed to take a bit of a a slide, if I remember. I can't, can't quite recall the, the results after that game, but um, I remember feeling really, really disappointed after that game, thinking, you know, we're on this high after beating Leeds at home to then losing at home to Charlton. It was just like, what? Um, you know, what, what's going on? And um, I mean, we know exactly what happened after that. And Derby at the end of last season after that game, um, you know, it's when it all kind of really went wrong and, and the season capitulated. But um, yeah, really disappointing. I remember um, yesterday looking at my Facebook, um, you know, the Facebook memories that you get. And I'd, I'd written something about being in the uh, the London Trickies pub in Marlebone um, with my brother watching the, the Stoke game um, last season where we were joint top and um, just how amazing it was, it, how amazing it felt. And, um, you know, a year later and, and here we are, you know, it's, uh, yeah, as I said earlier, it's, it's just like deja vu really, isn't it? Highs and so let's turn our attention then to the new guy, Chris Hooten. Now, are you, are you guys saying Hooten or Hooten? I don't suppose it much matters, but Hooten, 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 like like an owl. I'm, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I'm going to say it and spell it differently every time, just to annoy. <laughs> Houghton. Let's go with Houghton, just to annoy. All right, annoy let's go with that. Later. Chris Hooten <laughs> is now the manager of Nottingham Forest, having previously cut his teeth at Newcastle United, Birmingham City, Norwich City, and most recently, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, Brighton. Prior to that, he had some experience as an interim, both at Newcastle and um, the team where he made his name as a player, Tottenham. And as Dan alluded to, he has done a decent job everywhere he has been. So Dan, looking at his record as manager over the last 10 years, you mentioned earlier that you were kind of excited about this, this appointment and you felt like he was the right man for the job. You're basing that on his resume? 
Yes. So bear with me with this one. I've got some notes, but I'm going to start with the the pessimist and I'm going to follow uh, finish with reasons to be cheerful. So there's two tweets that came out from two very well-respected journalists that, that um, cover Forrest. So the first, Daniel Taylor, as you know, from The Athletic. Um, so he tweeted just a short while ago, there is loads of ambition, but no strategy or expertise and all sorts of terrible decision-making. Hooten is a good manager. He has no chance, just like all the others, unless the club has a rethink. The CEO, the transfer experts, in inverted commas, the spotlight should be on them as much as Sabri. Right. So th I think the downside to all of this is, like we've said, the potential trust there. Um, and then from Daniel's story, Sabri Lamucci has to go after last year's slump. But questions have to be asked of those above him, not least for allowing the 12 signings. So the pessimist in me says he could be his resume could be amazing. But just like Karanka or others, will he really be able to hit the same heights? So I went back and just looked at what he'd done versus, say, Karanka and others. So at Newcastle. Um, and I think I'll preface this with saying, yeah, he's got a reputation for being somewhat defensive. Um, but if you look at Newcastle, he, he was 1.9 points per game in the year he got them promoted from the championship. Um, he carried on in the Premier League and he actually, they actually thumped quite a few teams, but they were inconsistent, right? And he got sacked for being inconsistent in the Premier League, which is, you know, most teams are inconsistent in the Premier League at the moment. Um, at Birmingham, he got them to the playoffs. And in the same season, he got them into the playoffs. They were also playing in the Europa League. Um, so fixture congestion and everything did a good job. Managed to keep Norwich up. And although he was only there a short time, the short time, I think, was somewhere near 60 games, mm -hmm. which as far as Forrest are concerned is a, is a lifetime. It's like four um, managers. Manager. Yep. Um, and then at Brighton, um, where people know him because it was more recent and he had the most success, I guess, um, he actually played fairly attacking. I looked at the stats from that year. He had Glenn Murray up front. They also had Knockhart and uh, Sam Bolduck. Uh, and they actually had four players in double figures for goals. Uh, really? So Murray was in the mid-20s, 23. And then Knockhart, Bolduck and one other all had between 10 and 15 to their name, depending whether you do league plus cup or just league. Uh, and they finished with a 34-plus goal difference. And they scored 74 league goals. So there is something to be said for the fact that, and there's a couple of interviews with him that you can find online that says, yep, he plays 4-3-3 a lot, but he played 4-5-1 at Newcastle. He played 4-4-2. When he's got attacking players, he plays them. He scores goals when he's got people capable of doing it. So I'm actually, on, on the reasons to be cheerful, I think it's that he's probably got a plan A, B, and C. And I think he's got enough players to choose from at Forest as well, because we own half the players that are actually professional footballers at the moment. Um, so he's got an ability to look at that squad and hopefully if he's allowed to choose who he wants. And if that means bringing Ribeiro back in, great. Um, mm. You know, and maybe he can put a side together that's not just Sabri's side, but playing slightly differently. Maybe it's going to look different. So I hold out hope for that. And you can ask me again in a couple of weeks when we've played again, lost again, and we've played three central defensive midfielders. Yeah, I think uh, Statsman Dan has covered it all there. Um, I mean... I'm just hoping that he does have a plan B, really, because I think that's what we've lacked, haven't we, under under Sabri, um, uh, to sort of execute a change when change is needed. And uh, hopefully his experience in the championship is going to uh, see him implement that. Fingers crossed. Yeah, what always surprised me with Sabri is whenever we were in a hole, which we have been more often than not over the last dozen, 15 games, 
his response to that was really to throw on more attackers. I mean, he had so many defensive players available to him, but yeah, his instinct was to throw on more attackers. It was to, you know, throw on Amiobi or to throw on DaCosta mm. or Mighton. And so I had to applaud him for that, but it almost felt like it was, let's just throw this stuff against the wall and see what sticks. That's not a plan in and of itself. And then also to your point, Dan, I, I find it curious that Houghton, Houghton, Houghton has, has been named as manager rather than coach. But I see him more of a coach than as a manager. Uh, if you look at his experience, particularly at Tottenham, and you talk to people from Spurs, they actually rate him as a coach, as somebody who on the field tactically knows what he's doing, can organize a training session, can change things up. I think he's grown into being a manager. I think he's become a bit more statesmanlike. And I think, you know, obviously he does the touchline thing and he can handle it, an interview and whatnot. But it's going to be interesting to see which Chris Hutton we get at Nottingham Forest. Are we going to get the shithauser from perhaps earlier in his career? Are we going to get, get the more ambitious manager who's looking to maybe impose his attacking style on this team? Uh, because that does seem to be how he is developing as a manager stroke coach. It does seem as though he's being a bit more adventurous in terms of the formations he's selecting and the players he's picking. So, and to your point, Dan, it's not like he doesn't have players to choose from. I think we, probably the three of us right now, I think all of our contributors, what do we have on our team? Seven or eight people. I think we could, if I said to all of you, pick your best 11, I guarantee no two 11s would be the same. And there will probably be multiple formations in there as well. So it's not as though he doesn't have options. So it would be fascinating to see what he comes up with. So let me ask you guys then, in closing, where do you see this season going? What are your expectations for where Forrest end up this season. I'm going to leave the silence in there just for dramatic effect. <laughs> um, a kind of feeling the whole sort of, you know, pessimist is never disappointed kind of uh, I thinking. love that. What lyric is that? Who's that from? Well, it was original. Well, the way I... I came across that lyric was from a band called The Audience in the 1990s ah, with Sophie Ellis Bexter. It was her original band before she went solo. Yeah, don't start me on a whole potted history of the <laughs> indie scene. Um, I'll use doing a spin off pod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watch this space. Um, I, think, I think I'll probably, I'm being a realist here, I think. I, I'm not expecting us to set the world alight. I don't think by any means we're going to be in a relegation. Um, in a relegation battle, but I, I kind of feel like the, the stability is now needed again. Steadying the ship, gelling the players, maybe f deciding and forging some kind of identity um, and establishing ourselves. I think if we make the playoffs, then that will be considered a really good season. But I do kind of feel like we're, we're stepping back again and not completely starting again. You know, we've, we've had some astute players come into the, into the uh, squad but yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking just, you know, stabilizing and potentially pushing for the playoffs. You're edging your bets towards mid-table consolidation. Okay, Dan? Yeah, I don't like that, but... Yeah, um, give, give Hutton some space, put the phone down, stop calling him and let him get on with the season. Um, don't undermine him and let him play it out. And if you get to the end of the season and we're, we're, we've got into the playoffs, however that goes, then... Of course, we should. Of course, we should stick with him. Um, mm -hmm. If we're not doing well, fair enough. I think the first big test for me is 
if we get to January and we're doing well, i.e. we've put a bit of a run together like they, Brighton did under Hewn, I think they went 18, 20 games unbeaten. Uh, if we happen to be on that side of things and people start getting excited again, I don't want dear Carby back, put it that way. We need to have a good, we need, we need to learn from the lessons. And if we learn from the lesson of not interfering with the coach, we'd start doing well. And then we learn from the lesson of actually doing the right business in January or nothing at all. If we can't afford it, that's, you know, that's an acceptable way forward. Amen. Great. Um, but let's not do a half-assed job on it again. So trust the coach and then back him or don't when you get the opportunity, but let's not pretend to, and then uh, throw him under the bus. Um, so that would be, that would be my take. And I, I, I honestly still think with Hewton and with the squad we've got, um, even though we're four games in already, we've got an international break and we've got 42 games less. So there's no reason really why we shouldn't be pushing for the playoffs in my mind. I'm going to wrap this episode up with a top gear summarizing type bombshell, Jeremy Clarkson style playoffs nailed on. That's it. That's it. I'm expecting nothing less until Hooten gets fired six games later. Guys, <laughs> right, thank you so much for jumping on this pod with me at such short notice. I really appreciate it. I look forward to working with you guys throughout the season and seeing how a 48th manager does with Nottingham Forest. It has been a tumultuous season so far. I'm only four games in. Here's to a bright future at the City Ground under Chris Hooten. Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks so much, Holly. Appreciate you both. Thanks. See you later. Cheers. I nearly said it at the end, but I didn't want to ruin your uh, your exit. I was nearly going to say, oh, and Forrest haven't said uh, goodbye to Ben Watson. So good riddance. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll put that after the music. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs>